guys. Welcome to this week's episode of Bitchopedia. Today, I have back with me, Kate Neal. Kate, how are you? Good. I'm glad to be back with you guys. I know. At this point, I'm going to have to start paying you. Ah, ah, I mean, you're, as soon as I start getting paid, I got you, girl. <laughs> you're on the come up with me, babe. Babe, I love you. Love you. Yes. Okay. So, and I know we've talked about it a couple episodes. You have a background with this. You, you're a social worker, right? So you have a lot of uh, knowledge about this stuff. So last week we did part one of attachment styles and we did, we kind of covered all of them, but we mainly stuck to the avoidant partner Mm -hmm. and avoidant Mm -hmm. attachment style. So this week (laughs) is my week to be attacked. It's the anxious attachment style, which I super resonate with. And I know you, you dabble in anxious attachment style too. You're mm-hmm. a little I dabble. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. So um, again, I don't know if you listened to last week, but there was a quiz that you can go take. And I need to just add the link because I shared it on um, my Facebook page, but it's the personaldevelopmentschool.com attachment style quiz. So if you don't know yours, you can go look it up and figure out which one you are. But I have a feeling once you listen, you're going to be like, mm, that's me. But that one is cool because it shows you like percentages Mm-hmm. Um, because you can be more than one. So super fun. <laughs> yeah, love that. Love to get a little mix in, you know, varieties of spice of life. So the anxious, well, we'll go through them one more time just to be clear. Mm-hmm. So avoidant, um, dismissive avoidant, you kind of shut out all your feelings. Fearful avoidant, you're back and forth. You want commitment, but you're afraid of it. And then anxious is you're kind of codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, you need a lot of validation, constant validation. Some may say, mm-hmm. and by some, I mean, my exes may say mm-hmm. that I need validation all the time. Um, <laughs> so we can go through a little bit about like the signs of them, but also we can talk about how this attachment style is created. Could you get the more like sciencey part of it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel so research oriented. Um, so yeah, I would like to clarify, I do have my undergrad. So my, um, my BSW, my bachelor's in social work, and I'm starting my master's in social work, uh, tomorrow. So, so I do know, but I'm by no means like a psychologist or a professional. So yeah, yeah. But also that's how you know that you're a professional because they always have to say that. Like when they're in school, they're like, I'm not a professional, but like, also this is while we're talking about this the guy that um I was texting last night was talking about I was saying that like I couldn't quite figure him out and he was like yeah you're mm-hmm. not a detective and I was like no but I do know about psychology so give me about 30 seconds and I was hitting him with I was like let me just take a guess about your attachment style <sighs> he was fearful avoidant and he was like oh my god like you're nailing it I was like yeah because fucking psychology bitch so you don't yep. need to be a detective. Let's get all of this stuff down. You can basically start um, breaking down people's personality and just like figure them out. And disclaimer, that helps you be able to understand their perspective and be more compassionate towards their actions and behaviors because everybody acts a certain way because of their experiences and their own perceptions of reality. So it's not to be like, I can play mind games with you. It's like, oh, I want to be able to understand you better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl. Uh, Kate's like, don't use your power for evil. Use it yeah. for good. Whatever. Yes, the, yes. You're the angel on the shoulder. 
you I can also secretly. <laughs> oh, me too. I forget. I, know. I, forget. I don't. <laughs> I love you so much. Okay, so let's dive into it. So the um, signs of anxious attachment styles. This one, let me let me just say, this one's coming from my fucking throat this week. Okay, so difficulty trusting others, mm-hmm. um, low self-worth, fear of abandonment, craves closeness and intimacy and Mm -hmm. i'm just going to run through these and we can go back through them individually overly dependent in relationships requires frequent frequent reassurance that people Mm -hmm. care about you overly sensitive to a partner's actions or moods highly emotional impulsive unpredictable or moody or moody (laughs) hello nice to meet you i'm becca (laughs) guilt okay so some of these you don't have to relate to all of them because like low self-worth i mean i guess if we're really digging deep and being honest maybe there's a little <laughs> low self-worth there but like difficulty trusting others for sure mm-hmm. and you said that that was when we were talking about like the childhood issues that cause these attachment styles that's kind of one of the things that causes the anxious attachment style is putting trust in other people and them fucking it up yeah that or like um emotional like same with avoidant um it's it can be like emotionally unavailable or like you know this these things start developing in infancy so i believe like the first stage um from birth to two months that they start direct like babies start directing their attachment to humans like they can tell the difference and so that's when your attachment starts and you start becoming like aware quote unquote of attachment styles because at that point you know like if you're left in your diaper or if you're crying and nobody responds or if you're constantly cold and you can't keep warmth if you're not being fed appropriately etc etc that affects a baby Mm-hmm. And that can carry over into your adulthood as well. Um, so from very young ages, it's even very important to start building that trust. Um, right. Because even if you're not consciously aware, those right. things can affect you later. Right. And on the opposite end, also, uh, you were talking about it could be with other relationships, not just with your parents. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, like, mm, yes, I have my trauma and like daddy issues and whatever. But as a childhood, I was not like I didn't suffer at the hand of my parents, you know what I mean? Like they had their issues just like every other parent they tried to do, you know, they did their best, but I wasn't like left in diapers for hours. So I don't think it came from that, but I think repeatedly putting my trust in people and them not uh, matching my energy (laughs) for lack of a better word, you know what I mean? Not investing as much as I did. I think that kind of is where that trauma yeah and I know we talked about it last week because this is like the silver lining to all this Mm -hmm. is that you can change your attachment style so like you can be grow up in a securely attached household right Mm -hmm. and then your like we said your personal relationships your friendships your romantic relationships teachers authority figures whoever can mess with your perception of that attachment um, even if you had secure attachment I mean, that's not to say even if you start out with anxious or avoidant or even insecure that you can't move towards secure attachment. It's just that at any point and depending on like the intensity or whatever, it could be very few encounters that were this like horrible violation of trust and this horrible like um, 
defamation of what we see relationships and trust and communication. And those few instances can mess up your perceptions on a whole. Cause like we were talking about in the wild, you have to recognize those patterns and actively protect yourself from like dying. And so we still have that current day. Yeah. So evolution wise, we built up this to try to protect ourselves. And I think it's so interesting. I mean, this is all stuff that I'm not able to make statements about because I don't scientifically know but just how the brain like protects itself and Mm -hmm. goes into like defense mechanisms like blacking out and stuff like that I find so interesting so it does make sense but you can also reprogram your subconscious like that's how you get through all this Mm -hmm. just to go back and be you know and acknowledging it like recognizing you have a problem is the first step that's essentially what we're doing here is like once you like you said you can use it for good and once you figure out where this is coming from you Mm -hmm. can kind of go in there and fix it Mm -hmm. I've got some tips too about um getting to secure attachment which is we talked about this last week too but just high self-confidence no insecure behaviors like jealousy or whatever none Mm -hmm. of that just being trust communication yeah yeah securing your relationship statistically people in secure attachments or partnerships or whatever they have higher levels of contentness and happiness and lower levels of depression and like anxiousness and stuff as adults um so it's definitely what you want yeah (laughs) that's what we're going for well okay so this is okay so difficulty trusting others we talked about that fear of abandonment abandonment issues um always being left like ghosted and things like that we talked about that last week too um because I like that you said that it doesn't have to be because people do think a lot that it has to be these like years of just traumatic events and trauma and abuse and whatever to create these but it really doesn't I like that you said that that it could just be one like major event that causes that um the sexual assault probably didn't help if we're being honest you know Mm -hmm. all these things that I have because I do have trust issues with men and women too let's not leave them out yeah women too Uh, I'm here to testify (laughs) yeah so I don't know I don't know how to get past that though trust issues yeah I mean I guess I mean yeah well we we can go into it more but (laughs) but also so like from a therapeutic point of view right there's like cognitive behavioral therapy which oftentimes um goes along with a lot of mental health problems so like if you have um Uh, depression, anxiety, eating disorder, PTSD, any of those things. A lot of times if you're past the point where cognitions can be processed like accurately, then they'll get you on medications to stable you out psychologically so that you can take cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's basically like an in-depth dive into like your thought processes, um, your internal narrative, things like that. And you work really hard on counteracting your negative self thoughts and like um, your negative narrative, because your narrative and the way you view life is pivotal to how you experience life. So in order to do that, you have to go in and and, and actively argue is the best way I say it. Right. Argue with the bitch in with your head. Yourself. Yeah. The bitch in your head. No, because it's not even you. And that was like a huge thing for me in my like therapy journey is like, it is not it is not me because this is like free therapy tidbit. <laughs> it, you would not say it to your best friend or a child. That is not really what you think. And like, we're way harder on ourselves than we are a lot of times on other people around us. And so it's so important 
that that internal narrative that you're not telling yourself hey we suck hey you suck hey whatever don't talk to these people because they obviously don't care if you're there or whatever and instead right. of reaching like hi I don't want to overstep are you sure it's okay if I come you know what I mean like working on the communication right. and being able to be vulnerable and like have that dialogue with people instead of getting in your head because like in my experience like 85% of the time it makes you feel a lot better like every right. every once in a while you'll hear what you don't want to hear but at least then you've said your part you've right. been honest with yourself and others and if you don't get the feedback you need then you know to step away right so and that's another thing that um when I was listening to she does live tarot readings I'm obsessed with her it's the red jasper if you guys don't follow her on Facebook go follow her right now they have great crystals in the shop too I'm obsessed with her she's coming on the podcast I say it every week but she really is we're planning a time they told me they'd sell my art there oh my god I love them so she was doing a tarot reading this morning because they do them online like three days a week Mm -hmm. and it was talking about persistence and that's one of the things that she was talking about with healing specifically, but like with healing, you have to, it's not just going to be like you say like, okay, I'm going to have peace and then you're done and nothing bothers you anymore. It's like mm-hmm. every day something's going to happen and you're going to have to choose peace. So it's kind of like that. I would say with mm-hmm. trust issues and whatever, like you're not just going to be fixed and then someone fucks you over and you're like, okay, well, it's fine. Like you're going to have to actively, like you said, basically prep your brain into being able to handle it if it does happen again yeah well and also keep in mind that if you're constantly not giving someone trust and making them feel like you don't trust them and you can't rely on them then they're not going to feel like they can trust you either so it's just going to perpetuate the cycle and it's like the self-fulfilling prophecy like exactly if you're not going to trust me I might as well do it anyway well if you're going to think I'm doing this so you have to like give people the benefit of the doubt and if they've given you a reason not to trust them then communicate with them and like you can work towards building that back up by having boundaries right like this is what I need from you this is what will make my anxiety go down like we were talking about just yes. send me a text and say you're going to be working and you yes. can't talk or that you'll talk to me later or whatever and that way yes. you're not yeah and especially if you're doing that with an avoidant partner like you said you know you're because they're the I feel like that attachment style is more leaned towards like the self-fulfilling prophecy of like okay well you think this is who I am I'm gonna fucking do it like you think I'm gonna abandon you I'll do mm-hmm. it I think which I mean anxious people can do it too but you have to be more careful because you're probably, if you're anxious, you're probably dating someone who's avoidant. So it's just be like you said, feeding into the cycle, this never ending cycle. So someone's got to get secure so that the other person, when they freak out, you're like, Hey, it's cool. I understand. Like I get where you're coming from. Let's talk about it and we'll work towards it not happening again. I also think it's important to point out that a lot of times with our mental health, especially, we can convince ourselves that we're either lying about having this issue in the first place or two, that like, you feel like you can't have insecurities and be confident or act in a secure manner because then you're faking it and you're not being genuine, right? But it's the same thing with bravery. Like bravery is not the absence of fear. It's choosing to act in a way that is honorable regardless of that fear. And so it's the same thing. You don't have to actually believe that you're secure. secure. Right. You don't have to, you know, you can still try to exhibit those behaviors and try to give people trust and things like that without feeling like, oh no, I am securely attached or feeling like you're a faker because the, mm-hmm. everybody's faking it till they make it. Like you can right. still give people that trust and that communication and that whatever, even if you feel like you're faking it or it's like super uncomfortable, you know? Right. No, a hundred percent. I love that. 
Um, okay, and this was one of the next signs that I wanted to go into because I was just talking about this with a friend this morning, which is that they crave closeness and intimacy. Mm -hmm. So give me, all right, this is, I need your advice here. Essentially, I bring you on for free therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually taking advantage of you, but whatever. So my, okay. So after my breakup, I've been in serious relationships for, I don't know, all of my adult life. And now I'm getting to the point of like, I don't know, like casual dating or whatever, but when it comes to hookups and friendships or whatever, one might say into any of that shit, I feel like maybe, maybe I'm expecting the wrong thing. Okay, hear me out. So having closeness, you have a guy that you want to have a one night stand with, or that he wants to have one night stand, y'all hook up. And then when it's done, if you want to cuddle, right? Isn't that just mm-hmm. part of the physical experience? Is that asking too much to be like, no, I just want to, like, I don't want a relationship with you. But like part of the enjoyment of sex to me is like the closeness that you get after is that just a relationship am I just am I just not the kind of person who can have a one night stand Mm, okay so the mm, multiple parts (laughs) (laughs) multiple parts to this okay and this is from my unprofessional opinion right this is my friendly advice or my friendly observation um, so one, all human beings, like we talked about last week, um, the study with the attachment styles, right? They had these like monkeys and well, they did it with the babies, but they also did this monkey experience, right? And there was a caged hard monkey with a bottle inside of it. And then there was a just soft plush monkey with nothing, no food, no nothing. And the baby monkeys always chose to go to the soft monkey over the food monkey because they would rather the contact than the food, the nourishment that, you know, you might think they would want more, but they wanted the contact more. And it's the same way with humans. Like that's why COVID has been so hard for so many people. Like I believe it was a quarter of 18 to 25 year olds reported having suicidal ideation at least once in a 30 day period during COVID. So, and that a lot of that has to do with the lack of human contact, but we are social creatures. Like humans are social that that I mean tools made us higher up on the chain but our social interactions our ability to network Mm -hmm. and part of that is that it's so important the physical contact like babies in hospitals that they thought were going to die they would do the skin to skin contact and sometimes they come back to life like that life energy sharing that energy with each other is so fundamental whether it's friendship family relationship one night stand it doesn't matter that physical contact that closeness is pivotal to our well-being it releases the oxy um is it oxytocin oxytocin yeah oxytocin um in your body right that just makes you feel better it releases trust it like relaxes you um and all these things so no having a one-night stand and wanting to cuddle that's not that's not inherently that you want a relationship it's a biological response that you seek that closeness especially if you've already been like that intimate with someone right and but you're right and our um what is it um wow what do they call it the culture right now oh what is it it's not it's like not dating culture it's like whatever culture we're situationship yeah basically (laughs) like entanglements whatever like entanglements. because I had um I had an ex like that before we had ever like dated or whatever um I remember one day being like all right no you're cuddling me like I don't care what you're fucking saying right now you have to cuddle like no like I'm not 
no yeah and if you could put your penis inside of me the least you could do is give me a fucking cuddle after like that is the, in- the the intimacy that i crave which probably also physical touch is my love language but the conversation mm-hmm. i was having this morning with my friend was about how because we have the same attachment style i told her we're trauma mm-hmm. twins so trauma the guys <laughs> the guys that we go for are i mean whether they're trash or not we don't want to date them <laughs> i just need the like I don't, it's not necessarily the sex that I crave. You know what I mean? It's the like before and after, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily and so, a relationship. Like I don't have to see you a bunch of days of the week or whatever. You don't have to be messaging me updates. It's cool if you're with other people, but then also, am I asking too much for a dude to just cuddle me for five fucking minutes after we have sex? No, but see, <laughs> but see, oh I remember the term hookup culture we live Uh, in a hookup culture yeah and like but see that's the thing is and obviously this is very generically speaking and this is also under the 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 umbrella of like patriarchy toxic masculinity all those things as well but the men in these hookup cultures I I feel personally are fearful of that non-sexual intimacy and so it makes it be like you're sitting here questioning if after I've let a man inside of my body is it too much for me to ask for him to hold me yes the patriarchy has fucked you up so much you think after sharing your body and being intimate with someone it is too much to ask for them to have their arms around you if they're not penetrating you like but the men I feel like often are so scared of the potential attachment that they could have emotionally that they're not supposed to have quote unquote due to patriarchy standards if they're in hookup culture and so like it's fearful for them and at the same time you're blaming yourself for having requests (laughs) out of an intimate relationship like yeah not even feelings I just want like literal it's like a baby I want skin to skin contact that's all I need I don't even care about sex I'm basically doing that so you can be like okay whatever you got your rocks off that's fine but like now can we just cuddle and watch shit's crazy you can make what I actually wanted <laughs> yeah that's really what I'm here for and there was see, that that was a follow-up to that though babe it's oh. like I think there might be some things we need to deal with <laughs> if you're exchanging sexual things in the hopes that you get cuddles afterwards you know I'm like okay well because well. <laughs> you could totally just do you not like do you cuddle with your friends please tell me yes no what I will cuddle you whenever you want literally you platonic would. cuddles are a lifesaver those I, things make you feel so much better I don't know that I've ever had platonic cuddling what no okay so this was also kind of in the book too like you know there's like what the greeks had eight different types of love right and friendship (laughs) is one of them Uh and like to get to get intimacy and like like cuddles and like hugs and like affection and stuff from your friends it helps fill up that part of you that's constantly seeking out that physical platonic just love and attention like physical touch in a non-sexual way that doesn't make you feel like your only value and your only exchange rate is your sex and your body like you don't have to have that to deserve human contact I'm you can cuddle with your friend from shaking my head so hard. I'm gonna flip this fucking table. I've never been able to put it into words. That is how I feel. And now uh, I'm not like a prostitute for cuddles, but if you boil <laughs> it down, that's essentially what I am. But that's what I, I had a conversation with a guy that was saying something about like 
you know, I just don't want you to get the wrong idea. I'm not trying to have a relationship. Like, bitch, I'm not trying to have a relationship with you either. You've got nice muscles and I want to rub them. Like, that's it. That's all it is. And you're kind of too hard to cuddle with because you're too, like, ripped. I need, like, a mushy. I need the soft, I need the soft teddy bear mm-hmm. in the monkey cage. <laughs> yes. Or yes. The, the, I've been looking. The boobs. I need the boobs. Thank you, girl. I was like, okay, so since you've never platonically cuddled with a friend, have you never laid your head on your friend's chest, like okay. your girlfriend's breast, and just like felt and nuzzled? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. There's like, a girl I, that I work with that's like that, and I tell like she's my mom, and I'm like, I'm gonna nuzzle my head in your bosom. Yes. Yes. No, I, I have my best friend that you met me the night that you met me. Those are my, that's my favorite place when I'm upset is to lay my head on her chest and she just holds me and makes me feel okay. Like, okay, so this is kind of off the subject, but we were talking about this at work the other day and there are like people that you can pay. Yes, cuddlers. I need Mm -hmm. that. I need that. I need someone to lay with me and not have a fucking boner sticking in my back. Yep. Like that's all I need in my life. I think. Or I you think could just have your sex. Or you could just cuddle with your friends that don't have penises. I don't know. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're right. But I do low key feel like the male attention is what I need, which is also my daddy issues. We'll talk about that too. I guess. Mm. He said that's the male attention that I need. <laughs> that's okay. Look, the first step is recognizing it. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh gosh! Oh my God. I feel like we're getting way too deep in my trauma here. Someone fucking, I don't know, tweet me and tell me you were late. I'm like sweating right now. I, I was like, look, if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel better, I was talking about at work the other day that technically speaking, if you're in the service industry, you're kind of like a sugar baby because you build relationships with regulars and that's how you get your best money. Yeah. And you like, you build a relationship in exchange for your service and money. Exactly. <laughs> So that's what I'm accustomed to. I've been in the fucking service industry too long. I think there has to be an exchange of goods. Now I have sex with dudes for couples. Look at me. Look at what my life has turned into. <laughs> Are you proud of me, mom? No, look, my mother oh my wound God. is coming out now. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh wait, I just looked down at my notes and I was all get crazy close to intimacy. I'm freaking out. Oh wait, let's move on to the next one. That's totally not me. Overly dependent in relationships. <laughs> that's not me. I'm not codependent. Look, I, look, I'll out myself a little okay. bit here. Let, let me do that. Off. I'll take yeah. some of the some of yes. the pain off of you, baby. Yes. I got you. So um, it's very important in codependent relationships, right? And a lot of times they pass down through parents to their kids too. So like, example, um, if you, this is not about my parents, by the right. way. If you have parents that um, are addicted to substances or uh-huh. they have gambling debts or they are, abusive or they are whatever that parent is more than likely with a codependent parent who is like helping aid that destructive behavior and take away the consequences as they happen to help out the um the person Uh that is not codependent that is the taker in the relationship because there are givers and there are takers and takers Mm -hmm. keep taking until the givers say that they won't give anymore Mm -hmm. and so that's that's a codependent dynamic and then if they have children the children oftentimes become codependent because they're helping to monitor everybody's emotions de-escalate situations make sure that the codependent parents okay and then also still recognizing what the other parents doing and picking up the habits of the codependent parent if they're not going to become 
like the other parent. And in that case, then they might go down the same path and go find them a codependent person. And the cycle just keeps going down because a codependent parent, even if it's codependent in the ways that like your child has ADHD. Right. So you constantly go to their teachers to get their assignments or you go to their locker to get their homework and you don't teach them that independence or ways to cope and ways to like, you know, work on problems. So when Mm -hmm. they get older, they have a harder time doing those things for themselves. So who do they want to find? Someone that's codependent to help them keep up the same behaviors that that parent helped them with. And it's good intentions. The parent's probably helping their child with ADHD or whatever other issue to make their life easier to help them, right? But at a certain point, that becomes destructive too because they haven't learned the independence, the autonomy, the self-worth to be able to know that they can do it themselves or like am I, I'm with ADHD to learn the tri- tips and tricks and how to manipulate your brain into doing the things you need it to do because you have to do that yourself. You can't necessarily go and find a way to do that, a checklist that works individually for you. Right. So it's this perpetual cycle. Like, are you going to be codependent? Are you going to be the one You're asking for help? My fucking mind right now. Okay, so just to give an example, without okay, so my like what you said, it doesn't have to be addiction necessarily. But halfway through, when you were saying something, it like triggered me. Okay, my other trauma twin that I was talking about. We were talking about how our parents are kind of similar, and my dad was very. He's very um, alpha, and I love him so much. But he's very, uh, especially in my younger years, um, you kind of had to walk on eggshells, you know, with some of his moods were kind of erratic and you never really knew what you were going to get, which again, inconsistent behavior causes anxious attachment style. So Mm -hmm. that probably has something to do with it. But (laughs) my mom was always the person who was very, um, I don't want to say submissive, but she was always there to kind of smooth over the wake of waves that he left behind so now when you and when you see that I'm thinking of that like she's smoothing that over and then there's me who wants to make sure that my mom is okay because she's doing that I want to make sure he doesn't yell at her so now we're both kind of tiptoeing around him and I want to make sure that she's okay while we're doing it and there's this whole like like you said it's a cycle and this weird triangle dynamic Mm -hmm. that we've got going of just I don't know anxiety (laughs) Yeah. And try and that, not to that's break down. It. Yeah. And like, that's part of why, like, attacking myself again, if you overanalyze things, if you're con- like, I was the peacemaker as a kid. I was talking yes. to this uh, one of my friends who grew up in a household where one of the siblings took the destructive route more so. Mm-hmm. And he kind of assumed the role of like the like the diffuser kind of in the situation and like I was talking about how I was the same way right because it's funny that like kids grow up differently in the same household in the same environment yeah and so personally you know I have three siblings and two parents and like I have a brother with autism and you know there was a bunch of different factors playing into the complexity of our household multiple of us have ADD or ADHD and all these other things going on too right so so it it was great like I said securely attached to my parents and stuff but there was so much happening all the time and so many like having brother a brother on the spectrum or having a brother you know, with whatever else going on, I became consciously aware of societal implications, how they were treated if they were neurotypical, how, you know, um, 
different social interactions went down, how their emotions changed, how that could lead like to an outburst or people could be upset if there was anger, whatever. So now still I'm constantly overanalyzing, trying to be a peacekeeper, trying to make sure I can diffuse situations because yes. I can pick up on the slightest emotional shift or mood or behavior. Yes. And I immediately start going into like recovery mode. Yeah. Like, like what's the next step? You're anticipating a bad mood because then you know that they're about to lose their shit. And it's like, okay, well, when he says this and when he gets mad, what can I say that's going to make him happy again? Yeah. And it's like, That's before crazy. we get to the point where they're yelling or anything being thrown or anybody like super upset, what mm-hmm. can I do to keep it from getting there has yes. been like my mindset for a very long time. And I'm, I'm better at that. Now I can enrage people. If, if I, if it files within like social justice, or if mm-hmm. you're being like one of the isms, racism, sexism, right, homophobia, right. I don't think that's it, right. but uh, <laughs> any of the isms, things like that, like I'm way faster, and this goes to the codependent peacekeeper thing, yeah. I'm way faster to defend other people, strangers, I don't know, yes. my friends, my family over myself, like if you did the same thing to me, I can take a lot more of that mm-hmm. before I'm to a breaking point, but if I'm defusing or protecting someone else, I act immediately. 100%. And I, I was experiencing that this weekend with a situation that a friend was in. And I was like, I will take these hoops out and go to jail. Don't think I won't. Okay. And I always called it like mama bear mode because mm-hmm. maybe mine comes out with a little bit more aggression to it, but still it's that peacekeeper thing, like you're saying. And I've never thought of that being related to codependency, but I can 100% see it now. Mm-hmm. Cause that like you want sense. to protect those other people. Like I do the same thing. Like I, I, I found out about this dude that had been drugging people and like instead of the establishment filing charges they just were like you can come here still and hang out but we're gonna be watching you and which I think is so wrong and yeah I saw this dude at uh downtown or whatever the other day and I was like what would happen if I just hit him like what what would happen like tell me what could happen you would probably go to jail even though he doesn't go to jail for drugging people the cops would show up immediately because a girl punched a dude in the nose i mean no no they don't always show up but um (laughs) but yeah no and i like by the time i like turned to two of my friends and i was like if i do this right now they're like we got you and i was like sweet hell yeah Uh, and by the time i turned around and i was gonna walk up to this dude he had already left from where we were standing i was like well i guess the universe says yeah that's the universe pulling you back in the check bitch like no girl yeah. ain't going to jail today yeah i was full on because some the dude was treating her like shit because fuck him i won't air her business out but he was treating her like shit and i literally i was still i was getting off work i looked at my friend was like yo you got my debit card it's got bail money on there like i'm gonna fuck this dude up which he's just huge fucking guy. i don't say a chance but my ass i ass better be ready to back up this mouth because i could definitely talk some shit you know what i'm saying i can I'm get ready. hit i ain't going down without a fight i can take a hit and i'm willing yeah. to do it i'm yeah. willing to do it but That's i'll right. also i like to clarify i don't hit people back don't you like, there was a woman that hit me one time but i knew she had come from an abuse situation i knew she was basically she was drunk and she was basically upset about this abuser right and took that anger out on me and I just sat there and let her punch me in the face and I was like I'm not gonna hit you I'm not gonna contribute to your trauma I've been abused I'm not gonna be an abuser to you too 
god and now just you're sat there guilty slowly put tips back in no you're fine no and like but this was one case and it was right. a woman who i knew was a survivor and i was like i am i don't care i'm just gonna i'm gonna take it because i'm not gonna contribute to the hurt that you're feeling and oh like god. that has made a big impact on her life and like she's talked to me about it like years later or whatever right. and it's had to show that kindness to be able to which is also codependent I guess put somebody else's <laughs> above my safety and I'm just sitting there like take you getting broken nose and shit yeah black eyes, oh my God. Like, I, I hope like, to get to that level of awareness where it's like wow because I do like a lot of times I can kind of evaluate people as they're doing it and it's like mm, this is just your trauma it's because whatever and kind of take a breath but like damn to just literally turn the other cheek and be like you mm-hmm. were abused like damn that's so <laughs> respect to you Kate respect well, we to got you. to we got to I support women even women that I don't like or right. whatever I support them and their healing and I don't want to contribute to anybody else's trauma we're already united in it I don't need to add you're on right. to it you're right you're right you're right you're right <laughs> all right thanks for pulling me back in okay and but I mean men that treat women like shit <laughs> See, and that's what it was. So Look, I don't, I'm back mind, on the I don't mind my business if you put your hands on a dog, a baby, or or, or, or your partner, period. Right. So. Period. <laughs> period. Okay, so I at least have that. I have that out. Okay, so this is the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, requires frequent reassurance that people care about you. Let me ask you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like these are two different things clingy and like needy or whatever I don't I wouldn't say that I'm clingy I feel like I'm not um like I don't need to be around you all the time but I do need constant reassurance and mm-hmm. now it makes sense because it's my trauma but like <laughs> you tell me you love me maybe I don't know five to 25 times a day I, that's very low good for you um I was undershooting it's probably okay I was like dang more. that's pretty but good a, girl um <laughs> I'm a single bitch I don't want to like sell myself out too much like mm, I, no one's gonna date me if they hear this podcast <laughs> let's be <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, my my thing is with that is yes obviously that is an example or a characteristic of being anxious attached right mm-hmm. however that is not inherently wrong. Like some people's love language is words of affirmation. Right? That's my second one. So that can also tie into your love language and how you perceive love. And yes, that might t- be tied into, did you get approval from your parents when you were a child? Did you constantly feel like you were fighting to be accepted? Did this, that, and another, those kind of things. But it is not inherently wrong to need verbal confirmation of people's emotions towards you or their feelings towards you or the position they see for you in their life. Like, yeah. that's not wrong. That's like a human behavior as well. Cause I'm the same way. Like I don't like, I'm obviously I'm more avoidant. So I don't want to ever push those kinds of conversations. But like, I recently just had those conversations with a couple of people. And afterwards I felt so much better because I'm, I'm just so chill when I'm hanging out with people. Like I'm so chill because I'm avoidant sometimes. <laughs> and, right. And so like, I don't like those conversations initially, but afterwards I'm like, oh, cool. Now we're on the same page. Now I know where we are. And like, I, I'm given that verbal confirmation every once in a while. Cause I do like words of affirmation, but it's like, Hey, I care about you. Hey, you can talk to me about things that you want to talk to me about. Hey, like whatever, da, 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 da. Like being like, 
having that reassurance that like, mm-hmm. Hey, if you want to hang out, you can just text me. You don't have to worry about if it's been enough days in between or, Hey, yes. if there's something you want to say and it's on your mind, I want to hear what you have to say. You don't right. have to not ask or things right. like that. And so that confirmation can reduce the anxiety. It can reduce the avoidance because then you know where you stand, you know, like right. I have diagnosed anxiety. So it's like, I don't want to put anything on people or ask too much of them or to do whatever. So if they can give you that and be like, yes. Hey, I'm their boundaries, right? They're, right? What they're comfortable with and things right. like that. It's not necessarily always a negative thing to right. need verbal reassurance. A hundred percent. And I like that you said that because I was just going to say that the silver lining of this um, attachment style is for people who are avoidant. Like I had just a friend, a tonic friend who was texting me the other day and she was like, I'm sorry, which she's like a new mom. I took no offense to it whatsoever. She was like, sorry, I didn't text you back. I've been busy with the baby, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, girl, you don't ever have to apologize. It's fine. And she's like, no, but I need to be better about like texting back. And I was like, well, I'm the stalker friend. So you never have to worry. Like, I'm not going to be offended if you ignore me. I'm just going to keep reaching out. So at mm-hmm. least there's that, like y'all may be avoided, but it's like, Hey, I'm still here. Like I'm never going to And it makes a you. huge impact. Like, right. I, like my friendships specifically with women have gotten so much better because now I have friends like you and my other best friends who are like, Hey, I really care about you. Hey, you're a good listener. Hey, we always have good conversations. Like, yes. Hey, I want you to know, I think you're really compassionate or whatever. And they'll give me direct verbal confirmation on how they feel about me and what our relationship is and what they value about me and vice versa. Yes. And I can't get my anxiety in my head being like, they literally don't want you there. You're just yeah. kind of there and they're not going to tell you to leave. Right. And you can't do that. If you're having your friends say, hi, I enjoy you yes. or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If so constantly giving like you. you positive feedback, your crazy brain doesn't have time to kick in with all the anxiety of being like, like no, I told you seven times today, but I'll tell you again because I don't care. I love telling yeah. you how I feel because, like, I love expressing my feelings, and you know, like, yeah. that's not an issue for me. So you never have to worry about it. And that's one thing I've had a couple of friends who have said that, like, sorry, I called into my pit of depression, mm-hmm. um, and you didn't hear back from me. But it's like, bitch, I'm still here. I've been waiting. It's fine. Let's go. Let's pick up where we left off. I don't care. You're gonna do it again in a week. And guess what? I'm gonna still be here. It's fine. Like, I'm surprisingly good with avoiding people maybe not in relationships but like relationships well and I tell people that all the time because like we know I'm between anxious and avoidant and whatever but like I I obviously have other mental health problems and I'm ADHD (laughs) and everything so texting is hard for me and then I'll look at it and I'll be like oh now you can't text back it's been too late or whatever and so having friends like you that are like hi I'm still here (laughs) helps and like I'm the friend I always say I'm a low maintenance friend because like the girl I was there with that night um, with the split hair right we've been best friends since like high school mm-hmm. we don't see each other she doesn't you know what I mean we don't see each other often mm-hmm. but she knows for a fact and she's done this multiple times she will call me when shit hits the fan and be like I don't know what to do please talk with me please help and immediately I'm like yeah for sure I'll drop it. anything yes. I'm doing I don't care it's still the relationship's still there but also with ADHD object permanence is a thing <laughs> Like yeah, you don't exist if you're face. not in my face but yeah, that's why I, I, we I, have I, to put ourselves in your face so much because it's like hey I know you forget me because you know you're ADHD so it's just like think pop back in like hey you remember I exist and you're like oh, yeah I do I'm like yeah we're here wow we're back 
it's like, yes, and I'm obsessed with you. Let's go. <laughs> yes. And I have friends like that, that I've been friends at Tiffany. You know who you are, bitch. I'm, that's the only name I will ever use. She's like that. I've been friends with her for like 12 years. And we, I just saw her recently and we can go years, literally years without seeing each other. Mm -hmm. And she popped up at my house and just knocked on my door. She didn't even knock. She came in. She's like, sorry, I probably should have knocked. I'm like, I don't care. And she's just that friend. And those kind of friends are irreplaceable. So mm -hmm. don't, don't, I don't get discouraged. And I tell people don't get discouraged if people go into whole depression because it happens. Just be there when they come out. Because if you don't, and if you make them feel guilty about it, guess what they're not going to fucking do? The next time they come out of that pit of depression, reach out to you, you know? You can't make them feel sure. guilty about it. Just like, yeah, I'm here. It's like when people open up to you, if you shut them down, they're not going to keep opening up to you, right? Yeah. And it's also important that if you are the friend that might not always enter into this whole depression, right? It's constantly reaching out to your friends. If you're going through something, feel free to send them a text and be like, hey, I know you've got stuff going on, but I really need someone to talk to. Would you mind calling me or, or would you mind texting me when you right. have time or something? And like put it out in a text form so they can read it or whatever. And then like, because you deserve to have someone be there for you when you need, right. you need your friends too. So yeah, avoidant is an excuse. Avoidant attachment style isn't an excuse to be a shitty friend, I would say. Exactly. Like it can all go so far. Um, yes. And then, okay, so the next sign of anxious attachment is kind of what you were saying earlier about, okay, so overly sensitive to a partner's actions or moods. That's kind of what we were talking about with being the peacemaker because mm -hmm. you pick up on every little thing, which mm -hmm. it's because we're always nervous that you're like feeling some kind of way. So we're constantly watching mm -hmm. your face for all these tiny little changes. And it's like, are you mad at me? If that's a question that your partner asks, they're fucking anxious attachment. Like if they're like, are you mad? Is everything okay? Is something wrong? Mm -hmm. Because we truly feel that way. If it's been like 30 seconds and you haven't said, I love you, then I think that you don't love me anymore. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. It's my trauma. This is how I feel. This is how I feel. After listening to myself, I've literally just been like, God damn it. You are so undateable. Like you are not ready to be in a relationship. You need to fix this shit before you put this on anyone. I would just like to issue a, a blanket apology to all of my exes, because I know I'm a lot to fucking deal with, okay? Like, seeing it on paper, it's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. No, I literally just had to fill out a form uh, for, like, some medical stuff or whatever the other day, and after having to write down all these things about, like, my psychology and my history and trauma and stuff, I was just sitting there, and I was like... <laughs> These people need to get their money because this is this is some textbook Damn. stuff, but that doesn't mean it's easy. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty textbook doesn't mean it's simple. Yeah, <laughs> I got a lot going on here in this old dome of mine. But you know, um, it, you say you're you say you you joke, which we've been talking about internal narrative. You joke about being like undateable or whatever, but the fact that you're able to be so open and honest and communicate these things and be self-aware and do the self-evaluations and put in the self-work and take the time and effort that you are to focus on yourself, your attachment, your communication, trust, all these things that shows that you're in the direction to be able to sustain a healthy, secure attachment. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're using your platform to help spread awareness and be there for other people, even if it's just one person, like we've said, that means that you have the emotional intelligence and self-preservation and resilience to be a good partner. So I want to go ahead and like 
You are so validating. I fucking love you. I want to put you in my pocket and carry you around all day. Oh, you're another. Then I can give you cuddles when you need them, and you don't have to call fuck boys. Oh my god! Wait, should we just date? (laughs) Sure, baby. (laughs) Let's go. I didn't know you swung that way. I wish I did, because if I did, bitch, I would be all over you. Do you have a brother? What's up, girl? Or like any psychologist? Maybe I should date a therapist. I was like, oh my God, are we flirting on a Zoom right now? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So the next one, I'm just going to casually move on from that. So people don't think that we're we going to have sex on it on the podcast. Um, in different houses. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We're not together. We will be, but we're not. Um, so that this is the last one that I have highly emotional, impulsive, unpredictable, and moody. I feel like they didn't have to shove all of that into one sentence. But read it one more time for the people. <laughs> read it one more time for me. Highly emotional, impulsive, unpredictable, and moody. That makes it sound bad. That makes it sound like a negative thing. <laughs> All right. Highly emotional. I'll give you that one. Mm-hmm. But that could be a good thing, too, because we're very loving and passionate, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? And impulsive. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I'm ADHD. You bet. You bet I am. Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, you know, there, there's a lot of things that tie into being impulsive, but I'm a Virgo, so lucky I'm not that impulsive. I kind of think everything through. My emotions, impulsive and unpredictable. They're unfiltered, yeah. I get that too. All right, I see it now. I see it. And moody, I mean, my mood is affected by other people because, you know, I give them that control, even though I shouldn't. But if I feel like someone's mad at me, then it affects my mood too, right? I'm looking for more validation. <laughs> it Tell is, me the silver lining to this one. Like you have it is fine that it affects you because you cannot necessarily control that at this time. Mm-hmm. It is important to work towards the, um, the ability to separate other people's emotions from your perceptions of yourself. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that can be, it, it's good that like say you actually done something right you've mm-hmm. literally done something that made someone else upset and they've been vulnerable enough to share that pain with you their perspective with you right mm-hmm. it means that you're empathetic if you feel bad because you did something that you didn't think was wrong but it still hurt the other person it's not that's that's good it means you have a conscience it means you're empathetic that if you've literally done something now, right. this is not the case if you haven't done anything really, but like if you really did something and you might not have intended it to hurt them or whatever, but it did, if you're upset because you hurt them without knowing it or you hurt them and whatever, that's not bad. That means you have a conscience. That means you're not a psychopath. <laughs> right. So you can be upset that you've done something to hurt someone else, but you should not inherently feel less about yourself because someone else isn't happy that you didn't perform the way they want you to. Okay, well, that's the one it is. <laughs> so, I know you tried to give me an out there, but like, ooh, it's the second one. It's the second. Let's but see, that, honest. That's going on the Daddy Issues episode. Yeah, look at me. I'm honest. But that's, that's what gets me in trouble because I'm very upfront and I let, like, I let my trauma show early on. And you tell me if you think that's a bad thing. This is a genuine question I've been wondering, like, do I because I always say like I'm not gonna hide what you see is what you get I'm not gonna hide who I am from anyone if you don't like it then you don't have to be my friend you don't have to fucking date me but also 
should I be toning it down at all? I feel like no. I feel like as I'm saying, like, no, I don't fucking want to. <laughs> do what you want, baby. Um, so I've done like, this, like do what you want, you'll be thing. single forever, but do what you no, want. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. But like I've done this like progressive thing over the years where I've like tried to work on something, not like a new year's resolution, but just like self work. Right. Right. So for a while when I was doing the people pleaser stuff, my, my whole spiel was to be direct, open, honest, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I started doing that. That's why I am the way I am today. But I realized like after a year or so of doing that, that I needed to also value not letting everybody know exactly what I think. Like there's some things that you can keep to yourself or you can just like silently observe not everybody deserves to know like the biblical thing don't throw all your pearls to the swine you know what I mean like not all of them like I try to have dialogue with people I have issues with but if I know that they don't have the emotional intelligence to understand what I'm saying I'm not going to waste my breath trying to explain something to them or change their ideologies by educating them so like which to is degree, yes yes that and that is something that I have struggled with in the past but I feel like it's not that I feel like now I'm maybe it's because I'm getting old I don't know that I'm just like I don't have fucking energy like there's too many dumb people in this world for me to try to educate y'all you're not changing your mind whatever but as far as like relationship goes like when a guy comes into the picture um I mean I'm a lot <laughs> like, same a person I'm a lot so I don't know I mean, I guess I do know, like in the bottom of my heart, I'm like, you're not going to fucking tone yourself down. Like, don't do that. But because the right person won't want me to tone it down. But I feel like it's like deceptive if I go in and I talk to them and I pretend to be like the laid back cool girl. I'm not. So then I don't want to come on too strong either. And then be like, holy fuck. Because I feel like 99% of the time when I have a conversation with a dude that I've like just met, he's like, yikes. When he walks away. Well, I'm gonna be honest. I probably do the same thing. Um, but that but, I love that about you. Yeah, I'm like there. I mean, that's how you met me. I was talking about my traumas at the table in the middle yes. of the restaurant. And you were like, and you were okay. looking at nudes, right? <laughs> Did I make that up? Wasn't there a nude nope. in there somewhere? No, nope, that was that was real. There was that I was happening that was too. The first time I walked up to the table because I was waiting on you. For those who don't know. I was yeah. waiting for and I'm pretty sure I walked up and you're like, I don't know, fuck. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> yes. And then we I told you in. that day, I was like, I like you in like a gay way, is what I said. So I mean, yeah, I'm sure I didn't mind if you were walking yes. up. But, um, but but okay, but to get back to the point, uh oversharing <laughs> yeah. is not a response. Oh <laughs> okay. That's part of the whole trauma thing, is like if you've been traumatized, often <laughs> over in the wrong context like I'm on Twitter um TikTok or a podcast or wherever it can be tied into a trauma response because yeah so that oh my god my whole personality is a trauma response basically or mental illness hi um but but I'm fine I swear I'm great I'm actually I would like to I'm actually a wonderful partner I'm actually like yeah pretty yeah. good yeah. and those regards out there yeah no like honestly I have references okay yeah, like, me too. Me too. I have but some references we'll just sing my praises <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. Said, no no he won't he won't she said no I don't know but um yeah but oversharing it can be a trauma response but you're right we don't want to seem deceptive like yeah even if I'm casually seeing people or new friends or whatever I'm like 
I wore a mask for so long and pretended to be perfect for so long. And if you, everybody pretends to be perfect, nobody can begin to heal because nobody thinks they can talk to it with anyone else that's perfect because they're not feel fake. And so it like, it led to a mental break for me when I was wearing that mask constantly. And so now I'm like, hi, if I can tell you that I have social anxiety and I still serve tables and I have social anxiety and I'm still on a podcast and I have ADHD, but I still have good grades and I've still been able to whatever, or I have depression or I have an eating disorder or I have sexually been sexually abused or domestically abused or whatever that I am opening or we are opening a doorway for other people to actually have genuine conversations and begin yes. their journey on their community. Um, yes. So oversharing is kind of a trauma response. However, it can be used positively right. to help other people and to start your own healing. Because if like part of the huge thing is stigma with mental health, with trauma, mm-hmm. all that stuff, stigma of the survivor and the stigma of the individual And so if you can break that yourself and be like, just because this, this, and this doesn't mean I'm not worthy. doesn't mean I'm not a good person. doesn't mean I can't be a good partner or a good parent or a good whatever. Then like you're taking away that power from society. You're taking away that power of other people's opinion. And like you said, yeah, you can get upset about what other people think of you, but that does not change. That doesn't change your worth. It doesn't change you as a person. It doesn't change your dignity. It doesn't change who you are. And you are, um, anyone you've ever met has a different perception of who you are than the next person. You are never going to be like your true person to different people. Yeah. Yeah. They all have their own perspectives. They all have their own experiences with you and things like that. So you're never going to be even the same person in everybody's eyes. So you might as well just be as genuinely yourself as you can. Um, But yeah, maybe not. (laughs) everybody you're trying to <laughs> but like I'm an open book but I shouldn't just fall open as soon as someone's like hi and I'm like hey I'm friends I tell you something do you want to talk about it <laughs> well like it and like we said it can be used positively but you also don't need okay I, I heard about this the other day so it's just like they were saying you know move in silent do your like do your big advances and stuff yourself before you're like posting about it and stuff because there are people that want your downfall there are evil people out there there are psychopaths there are like some messed up individuals that you don't want to provide with all the ammunition possible to emotionally affect you and if you're already saying their emotions and their perceptions of you can affect you you don't want to give them more artillery to mm-hmm. use against you if they so choose that makes sense Mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm liking help? this I like this advice I'm gonna take yeah. that in um okay so <laughs> this is the these are tips for partners of anxious attachment people mm-hmm. um and then I'll just run through these and we can wrap it up with this because if you're dating someone with anxious attachment style these are the things that you can do to kind of try to um work through that to get to a secure place between the two of you so give them lots of reassurance because as we discussed, we need it, right? Mm-hmm. Constant. You don't have to give them constant assurance. Like that's a lot, but you know, reassuring them makes us feel better. Be consistent. Holy fuck. Please, mm-hmm. please be consistent. That is a trigger for me is inconsistency. And it basically validates all of our fears when you're inconsistent. Mm-hmm. That's what starts anxious attachment style is inconsistency and not knowing when the next like love or hug or compliment or whatever it's coming from. So please Mm -hmm. be consistent on that. Um, Follow through on your promises. That's Mm -hmm. just basic. Like 
if I can't trust you, I have nothing. So if you Mm. say you're going to do something, fucking do it. And then encourage self-awareness to help them overcome anxious behaviors, which is what you're saying. And there's a way to do it. If you need a template, Kate just provided you with one because you did the best job of giving me validation without like attacking or being condescending. You're like, "Mm, yeah, sweetie, that's your, that's your trauma, but we're going to work through it. Okay. (laughs) We're going to talk about it. Yes. Cause I love and support you and your feelings are valid. That's what I've been talking about lately your perceptions and your feelings they are valid they are real they form your reality right and like those things should not be dismissed or overlooked or made to feel insignificant but at the same time you also have to take into account how your own perception shapes your reality so if you're thinking nobody wants to be around me and this that and another then you're gonna pick up on anything that you can that like doesn't provide cognitive dissonance and you're going to be like oh see I thought they didn't want me around them and this one tone change made me know that they don't want me around them or whatever yeah so like you find what you're looking for right so like you once again that internal narrative that cognitive Mm -hmm. behavioral therapy you got to focus on like I am enough I enjoy being with myself so why should I expect that all these other people don't like me and like that's a huge step too I'm, I know mm-hmm. self-love self-positivity yeah. so you got to start out with neutrality like body neutrality um self-neutrality if you if you're trying to go from self-hate or um like hating your body uh-huh. it's too much to expect yourself to go straight to body positivity or self-love you can go to like body neutrality you can go to like my body works I'm able to get out of bed I was able to walk down the stairs I was able Hi. to eat on my own I'm able to see this morning or whatever it may be and like going over the facts neutrally of what your body can do or like hi I'm pretty good at making coffee in the morning or like whatever like to like I make a decent cup of coffee or I can cook myself breakfast like the neutrality of self before you can get to the point where you're like you know what I love myself and I have this value no matter what at the end of the day you are a human being you believe that other human beings should be treated with respect and worth and like have their needs met. So that should translate to yourself too. And like being neutral is better than being hateful towards yourself. Yes. That is so interesting that you said that. And I actually have an episode on self-love, but I've never, I've never thought of it as neutrality. And I don't remember, I think it was on that episode actually that I talked about this. I got it from one of the fucking people on Vanderpump Rules, which makes it seem like it would be completely ridiculous. But she was talking about loving her body and she she did that. She would look in the mirror and she would thank her body basically for what you're saying. She's thanking it for physically what it does. Like I would look at my arms and think like, mm, I hate my arms, but also they helped me, like they held my baby for the first time. They helped me pick up my kid when he was crying mm-hmm. or they helped me pick up trays and take them at work to make money to keep it, you know, it's things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly how it started. And it did come to an acceptance of not necessarily, which I feel like I'm getting there now, but not looking in the mirror and being like, I love my body but like yeah bitch like your arms are good they fucking they do a lot of shit you know your legs take mm-hmm. you a lot of miles and your mm-hmm. stomach digests your food every day that gives you energy and provided you with a child yeah yes I do be forgetting that sometimes which also side note side note because we're talking about body positivity at this point um For but <laughs> we're kind of all over the place with this one. The, I love it though this is what Me too. ADHD high yeah. um but the way that um a lot of societal I mean it's getting better now but that women's bodies should be like completely flat their tummy should be completely flat right like mm-hmm. the Victoria's Secret tummy or whatever 
Um, so the way it kind of leans out and like, quote unquote, pooches out a little bit, mm-hmm. that, are, that is your uterus caressing against your abdomen. So it's going to be there. Yeah, protecting a, a whole ass human that's growing in there. You need a little bit of padding. So that when you yeah. bump into things, your baby doesn't die. Right. And it's, it's like, basic. it's 100% natural and should be there. Right. And so like, and stretch marks, completely natural for whatever mm-hmm. your age, whatever is going on. Stretch marks, body hair, having like your tummy not be completely flat because biologically it's not supposed to be. And so it's also important to not compare yourself to that and maybe look into, oh, that's so I have that insulation, that that fat mm-hmm. layer. If I were to produce the life, it's because you're capable of putting a soul in an earthly vessel. Like, you know, Ooh, like being able to appreciate those things. Yeah, no, dude, that's why pregnancy freaks me out. Like I'm, I applaud everyone that has children because I'm like, wow, you were a portal between the spiritual and physical realm. You put a soul into an earthly vessel that you created and placed that life here on earth. Like that is a miracle. That is amazing. Like you were able to produce nutrients and antibodies to nourish your child and protect them immediately. Like, so like my kid, my kid found out he's six the other day. He was like, you know what I found out? I was like, what? Like, God, there's no fucking telling. He was like, mommies um, feed their babies with milk that comes from their boobies. And I was like, yeah, I did that with you. And he was like, what? <laughs> yeah, bitch, my body's incredible, okay? Yeah. They were nice and perky before too, shit. I was like, yeah, no, I did it for you too. And they started shitting on me. And I was like, I did not, I didn't, I didn't have to pay for food. It just came out of my body, like naturally. And it knows things and it like creates antibodies that keep you from getting sick and shit. My body's a miracle. This place is crazy. Yeah. So, so especially then, and I feel like new mothers and like postpartum's real and everything, but like a lot of times, like I have some friends that are so hot and so amazing that are mothers. And after they had a baby, their perceptions of themselves changed, even if they used to be really confident. And I'm like, that's because in our society, everybody wants to fuck, but they don't respect mature women because also the whole pedophilia issue we have in our society. But if you've been able to have a child, there's like this weird thing that some men have. But in my eyes, I'm like, wow, you're such an amazing creation yeah. that you were able to do all those things. Yeah, I understand science technically, but like, right. I don't understand right. how that's still, like, right. I get it okay but like no in theory because you put a soul up in a body that you made it's like ripped from the ethereal realm yeah to put into the world bitch i need i need to be high for this conversation (laughs) (laughs) i feel like this is a this is a whole nother episode we can get into bitch yeah oh my sorry listeners i'm so sorry we're like this we're We just told you that we have trauma, okay? I don't know what to tell you. She's got ADHD. ADHD. I can't stay focused. We're people pleasers. What the fuck do you want from us? Oh my God. But this is, in summary, while we talk about attachment styles, all right, we'll get back to it and we'll wrap it up. You can change. Like you said, you can get Mm -hmm. to secure attachment styles. Communication is probably the most important one because as long as you're communicating, like the most important tip, because as long as you're communicating, you can at least understand where the other person's coming from. And it doesn't riddle that person with uh, fear and anxiety all the time. Especially mm-hmm. with anxious people. Because we're the ones you got to watch out for. 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for us besides love your fucking self and all the hype up validation you've given me today? I'm feeling oh, well, good today. Good. I'm going to kill it. Good. I want you to. Um, well, I feel like I've touched a lot of it. Um, I guess I'll close out with what I told you before this call. Um, my motto for this most recent year has been, I will not apologize for my natural body. I don't know if I've mentioned this in one of our podcasts before, but it seems relevant today. Um, that goes for men, women, they's, thems, all the non whatever. Do not apologize for your body, for or your, your brain. body. Your, huh? Or your brain. Or your brain. We'll yeah, cover or, that yeah. too, babe. Mind and spirit. If you're traumatized, whatever, you do not have to apologize for like not wearing makeup, for not doing your hair, for not being presented in society the way that society wants you to be. Do not apologize for your natural body. And obviously that goes with mental health and stuff too, but mental health is not a reason and trauma is not a reason to treat people poorly. Um, But but don't apologize for who you are and just keep trying to work on kindness and treating yourself and others in a respectful manner and yeah fuck yeah because we're united in trauma baby we're all in this together we are all in this together well thank you kate again so much for coming i'll probably have you back next week let's be real i think you're my co-host now <laughs> really oh, oh my my gosh. Gosh. yes i love you so much and we will see you guys next week bye y'all bye